Show me the science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello, it's Luke O'Neill here again, and this is my show, Me the Science Podcast, where every week I pick something that fascinates me, and I hope it interests you as well. And by the way, thanks for all the comments coming in. I get a few comments every week, and people say they enjoyed it and make suggestions and what I might talk about. Always happy to have suggestions as to what I might dig into. Now, obviously, I dig into stuff that I, I know a bit about, hopefully, and that I can bring my scientific uh, interest to a topic that really interests me and I'm not joking you I always have five or six every week that I come across stuff that's just been discovered or, or new findings and I almost tell people about this and it's a real thrill that uh, the people tune in really listen to this but this week a very important topic the science of insomnia now we've discussed sleep a couple of times over these many podcasts now I think uh, but this is specifically what the hell is keeping us awake at night and it's quite a serious one because there's an epidemic of insomnia out there and what's provoked this one is, and I read this uh, about a week ago, I guess, one in three people in the US and in Europe are not getting enough sleep. And this is in questionnaires and analysis, but it's big data, so we know an awful lot of us are not getting sufficient sleep. Now, what's gone on, gone wrong here? Sleep is the most natural thing. And in fact, we know sleep is beneficial and not getting enough sleep has all kinds of health consequences. And if I go all the way back to Jonathan Swift, the person who wrote Gulliver's Travels, a Dublin person as you may know Swift is famous for being from Ireland he said you need three doctors to keep you healthy and this is well before medicine came along almost doctor diet we know you need a good diet doctor mirth which means have a good laugh occasionally and doctor sleep he identified sleep as one of the key doctors and of course we've known this since antiquity that a good night's sleep is really important and yet one in three of us are not getting enough sleep and the big question is why what can we do about it? You'll see lots of stuff on this, and I'm sure we've all read things and heard commentators talk about sleep and how to get a good night's sleep and so on. But this stuff, this recent thing, one in three, has frightened us in a way. And it certainly frightens the medical profession, because if you don't get enough sleep, there's all kinds of consequences. First of all, much higher risk of road accidents. This is obvious in a way, because people are falling asleep at the wheel. But this is a really robust analysis that often a cause of a traffic accident is insufficient sleep the night before, or chronic insomnia. The second big one's heart disease. There's a huge association with uh, poor sleep and the risk of heart disease and diabetes and these kind of metabolic diseases are tied into lack of sleep as well. And that's because the body's under pressure and the way you digest your food and the way you metabolise your food is affected if you don't get enough sleep and that can bring on the risk of diabetes for instance your heart's under pressure hence hence heart disease and of course in my own area the immune system you need a good night's sleep for the immune system to work properly and again there's lots of studies on this one bad night's sleep the next day then if you measure the white blood cells in your circulation they're your key defenders remember the white blood cells there maybe is a third less in your circulation after a bad night's sleep now of course that means your immune troops are depleted much higher risk of infection then and of course we all remember the dreaded COVID period and I kept saying try and get a good night's sleep because it'll boost your immune allow your immune system to do its job so all kinds of knock-on effects of a bad night's sleep and the big question is why and what can we do about it there's no doubt at top of our list as to why we have this one in three thing is your devices now I'm as guilty as the next person how many of us bring our device with us of course we all do my alarm clock is on my phone now so it has to be beside the bed but the temptation to look at your phone uh, before you try and get some sleep anyway you wake up in the middle of the night there's horrifying studies showing that as many as 30% of teenagers check their phone twice during the night this is ridiculous because guess what the light coming off your phone 
is the type of light that will keep you awake, in fact, and disturb your sleep. So we think one big factor is too much time on devices before you try to nod off, and then during the night if you wake up and you check your phone. So try and not do that. Very hard, isn't it? What do you do? Put, I, I put my phone sometimes downstairs, and then I've no alarm clock, and then I miss my lecture the next morning. That's one downside to this. But, but still, the devices are a huge, big factor here and try and get off them. And, and the iPad, the iPhone, any of those devices, they're sending out a type of light that's problematic. And we know what this light is doing, by the way. It's suppressing a thing called melatonin. And you have a natural sleeping tablet that your body makes. And, and, and I think we've done this before. We've got these circadian rhythms all through a 24-hour cycle. Your body is going through all these different stages. A very important stage is maybe two hours before you actually fall asleep, your, your body begins to make melatonin. And that is your natural sleep promoter, if you will. And the light on these devices suppresses melatonin. It's a blue spectrum light, they think, which is suppressing your body from making melatonin. And then, of course, you won't fall asleep. And one of these big studies has shown if you're on your device, it might delay you falling asleep by an hour because your melatonin is off kilter. You know, in other words, the light is limiting the level of melatonin. When you come off your device, eventually melatonin goes up again and then you fall asleep. So, so it's not just about, you know, um, a, a, get a number of hours sleep. It's delaying your, your time to fall asleep, basically. So again, the first message is try to get off these damn devices. And we know that. And there's good science and it seems to be to do with melatonin. That's the first thing, the first challenge we have that's keeping many of us awake at night. Now, the second one is um, life gets in the way, they call this, by the way. Uh, we have many stresses in our lives, haven't we? And we're all worried about various things and that's a huge negative and of course there's all, all lots of kinds of reasons to be stressed isn't there but but life experience if you will and things happening during the day will be inclined to keep you awake at night again they think it's it's melatonin disturbance because the hormone cortisol that can actually regulate melatonin if that goes up because of stress again melatonin is being limited so try to sort of unwind now we know this don't we is a key trick here and not not to have as much stress in your life because otherwise you're going to have this sleep disturbance hard and all as that might be and of course a great way to de-stress is exercise and any exercise during the day is hugely beneficial lots of studies again showing exercise helps you sleep later hours later and we think that's tied into the stress response because exercise is a big de-stressor but any kind of way to relax will help you know, go and see a comedian, uh, do something that you find relaxing, especially in the latter part of the day, that will de-stress you and help you get to, get to sleep. So life getting in the way is our second uh, cause of this. Uh, the third one is uh, too much coffee is really bad. Now we know this again. Coffee suppresses melatonin. Again, it's all about melatonin. Uh, do not drink coffee. Uh, they reckon six hours before you're trying to go to sleep, have your last cup of coffee. Because that gives your body time to metabolize the coffee and allow melatonin levels to go up normally. Because if you take coffee sooner than closer to your bedtime, melatonin gets disturbed. So again, don't be drinking coffee, you know, in the hours before you want to go to sleep. And then alcohol is the other big chemical no-no. Alcohol is a massive sleep disturbance uh, factor. And it does all kinds of things to your brain. It disrupts your circadian rhythm. If you do fall asleep after a few drinks, as we all do, by the way, it's called unproductive sleep because the alcohol has affected your brain in various ways. So try and avoid things like uh, uh, caffeine and alcohol. Really, really important if you want to get a good night's sleep. And our next one then is, uh, now this is another strange one at one level, and it's a bit obvious again, but 
um, discomfort in the bedroom, they call this. Now, what do I mean by that? You've got to make sure your bed is comfortable and you have a comfortable pillow. Uh, you know, you're, you find your bedroom has to be a very sort of a welcoming place, if you will, at least in a little cave, if you want to call it or whatever. Make your bedroom comfortable as best you can. And a very important factor is the light in the bedroom. Keep it dim. Again, the light will disturb the melatonin and the temperature of the bedroom is really important now get this again a recent study if it's too warm that will affect you it won't allow you to get a deep enough sleep um, it, it affects you your time to fall asleep is affected by if the bedroom's too warm cool air is good now that's a bit counterintuitive you might make the bedroom nice and cosy it turns out about 19 degrees is good that kind of this is room temperature anyway but don't have it too warm that is a big negative uh, for you trying to get a good night's sleep. So a comfortable bedroom is really important. And then our next one, uh, which is really the, the fifth one, it's something you can't do anything about, sadly, is genetics. And again, lots and lots of studies have come out looking for genetic variants that might put you at risk of insomnia. Now, the question is, what do you do about it if you're carrying those variants? Well, there's some really good evidence as to what might be useful if you carry certain variants in certain genes that you might counter that in various ways there was a study again recently done because all all my stuff is is recent I hope 85,670 people were studied and they divided them then they realised some of them were chronic insomniacs and some got a good night's sleep and and they analysed them closely and they looked at all the various habits and all the rest of it but they found some variants in certain genes in these people and the strongest one was a gene called PDE11A Again, another mouthful, I know. And that, that there's a variant of that. If you have that variant, there's a risk of you having chronic insomnia. And that was shown to control cortisol. So again, cortisol came up as a cause of chronic insomnia. Now, that might mean you want to limit cortisol. And there's various drugs you can use, and that might not be the way to go. But certainly, if you get lower cortisol, and you can do it by exercise and various things, and you carry that gene, maybe that will be a good treatment for your chronic insomnia in a way but loads of studies are examining the genetic basis for insomnia because it might give rise to safe ways to treat insomnia therapeutically as it were Uh, so again genetics then is another key factor in the list of factors that i'm i'm uh, I'm kind of summarizing today now a few more thoughts on this in case anybody is still awake owen loves these jokes um if maybe my podcast help you sleep by the way this is a reason to listen to them um and why not uh, but a few more things that, that I came across that strike me. Do you know the sleep industry is an $80 billion industry? Isn't that ridiculous? Now, what is that? It's over-the-counter stuff that might help you get to sleep. Or it's various sleep aids of various kinds. And you can buy all these lighting things in bedrooms. It's a huge industry. And maybe we can defy that industry. If we can only just come up with ways to do this without having to you know, pay for stuff, I suppose, might be a very useful thing. So that struck me as very, very interesting. And then one other one which I thought was... Um, quite humorous was uh, they took three groups of insomniacs so these are people who had reported it and remember it's a very serious thing and people want want help and they decided to try and help them in various ways they put them into three groups and they followed their sleep patterns okay the first group were given no instructions of any kind they're just told just do what you do and see if you can get to sleep right the second group were told to count sheep now we all know don't we that counting sheep allegedly works to help you fall asleep the third group were told to think of things that make them feel relaxed. And they gave examples like, imagine you're on a beach, on a, you know, in the sun or whatever, that might be one thing. Or imagine you're going on a nice walk in a forest or whatever. Think about things that you enjoy. They were the three groups. Now, guess which one, which group was helped most of all by this? Well, it was the last one I mentioned there. If you think about nice things, 
that help you relax. Uh, that can help, basically, right? Uh, the second group that fell asleep were the ones who were told to do nothing. I mean, they, they reported the usual level of insomnia. The ones who did worst were the ones who were told to count sheep. Now, again, this goes against what we've been told, doesn't it? Why was that? Well, they reckon it was just too boring. You know, in other words, you're counting sheep and it's just distracting you and you're getting bored. And that sensation of boredom is keeping you awake. So sadly, don't try and count sheep. Well, it works for you, that's fine, by the way. And some people, I'm sure, count sheep and fall asleep. But, for, but it turns out it doesn't really work. You're much better off trying to think about something relaxing. And that brings us overall to the whole notion of trying to get relaxed either before you go to bed or while you're trying to get to sleep try to relax for crying out loud it's, it's obvious in a way isn't it uh, but again if you follow these other things I've been mentioning uh, that might help you get to sleep if you have insomnia the other thing we know by the way is and this was known before this, this uh, study I read is routine is very important now that sounds terribly boring doesn't it um, but the truth is if you go to bed at the same time every night hopefully you get into a routine your body's rhythm then is consistent every night and you've laid off the coffee and the alcohol and then that's a much more reliable way ultimately for you to fall asleep uh, and that's important as well and then the last thing I want to mention is a big negative is you overthink it now again all these apps on phones and ways to measure your sleep they turn out to be negative as well they think uh, because you're obsessing now about trying to get, how to take enough hours and was I tossing and turning at night so the advice is to try and avoid those and they, may, they do suit some people of course some people like to monitor this and might help them but overall if you overthink it you'll never get to sleep just try not to think too much follow these various guidelines I've discussed listen to my podcast and eventually you might start to feel very very sleepy and you can snooze away um, that's my podcast for this week hope you enjoy that one thanks very much for listening and my podcast are available every Thursday and of course it's a new stock production